for a lot of artists in whatever medium there is, sometimes there, there can be an, too much of a focus on like, I have to have the answer to this question as to why I'm doing this, as opposed to, well, no, you have a question as to why you're doing this. And sometimes the question is the thing to get you started, is the thing to get you to get you going. And you might start to come to some kind of understanding about the question through the whole process of doing it. This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte. Identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. All right, people. It's another episode. The Art of Having Something to Say. And I don't know if I have anything to say, Evan, <laughs> this very moment. But, you know, we wanted to talk about this because we we were working out some ideas around our own creative process. Evan had some experience with some new students he's working with. You know, I'm always helping people write their scripts. I'm trying to write my own screenplays. And there's something about art where where you actually have intention you have something that you're communicating or even if you're just having a conversation with someone why are you talking like are you just talking to fill the space because you don't want silence or is there greater meaning and purpose to what you're trying to say all the way up to like there's a fire get out of the house we have to go now you know where it's like like desperate communication that's like so vitally important in this moment and we wanted to kind of talk about the range of all of that and how it kind of comes into art, whatever medium you're you're in. And I don't know where this will take us, of course, because, you know, we, we kind of open up these ideas and we go, let's see what happens. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where it's at right now. But I, I'm excited to see where this goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, I think that there's a couple of different angles to look at this one, because, you know, there is this one aspect of it of having an intention behind what you're doing like there's a reason there's a purpose uh, and that's really important in a lot of situations but i think that there's also situations where it isn't so important and it's actually important that it isn't important (laughs) you know what i mean like like i think that there are certain examples like um like in music or in dancing You know, like it's just, I mean, you could, I suppose you could argue that there's a purpose, but you know, sometimes it's just, it's, it's music and you're like, when you look at something like jazz and like people are just playing off each other and seeing where it goes. And it's more of, I guess the, the purpose or the intention is, is simply a creative exploration, uh, to, to discover, see where something goes, whatever. And, and something like dancing, it's as simple as because the movement feels good you know like there's not really any intention behind it like it's just you're doing it because the act of doing it is the point right and it's kind of like the law of play like play is is really kind of a thing for itself even though play can have all of these little benefits that come out of it right like you can play can open up possibilities it can give you new understandings it can it can help you um 
sometimes answer a problem or solve a problem that you've been been having but you know the thing with play is as we've discussed before is that often it means that you have to you have to actually just fully engage with the play like you can't go into placing like all right this is so that i can come up with some answers for this problem because then you're never you're not actually fully engaged in the play because you've got one eye constantly just like on the lookout like all right is it is it here is my answer here yet is my answer here yet no okay gotta keep playing i guess and <laughs> you know you're never really fully Im- immersed in it so um but that's one side of this and then there's the side of when you're doing something artfully and we'll we'll come up with some examples we'll talk about a few examples of of when this happens but when it's so important that you know what you're trying to say at the very least you know sometimes you don't always succeed particularly well but at least you you there was something that you were trying to say with what you were doing is is very important and i think that even at times there's a responsibility to to know what it is that you're trying to say in in the thing that you're doing to know what your intention is in the thing that you're doing uh, because otherwise you know you can come up with something aimless or and and something that just doesn't doesn't resonate or connect or communicate anything or if it does communicate something it communicates something that you really don't want to right or something that can be really destructive mm-hmm. right so and and so there's there's some pretty there's a pretty dramatic difference between those two polarities you know there's like when it's all about the play and just the thing for itself and that's totally fantastic that's such a beautiful and wonderful thing on the other hand there's a there's a space where there's a more deliberate approach that needs to be done because otherwise there can be almost a recklessness to it and not in a good way. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 uh, There's something interesting that's kind of dawning on me as we're going in down this road. You, you, any person like there's no way to always control what you're doing and what you're saying like you think you're saying something, you don't always know what you're saying because things don't always come out the way that you intend or the way you mean, or you maybe are missing something that has like a cause and effect somewhere else that you're not really realizing. And I think for the artist, it's there's a vulnerability in everything you create, right? Like if you if you're really trying to, if you're really trying to do something and you really think, Oh, Hey, I'm, I'm trying to tell this story and this is what it means and this is what it's about or whatever, or this is what this song is saying. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's how people are interpret it. And I think as you become a more masterful artist and a more aware artist, you begin to understand what you've said when you haven't intended to say it. And I think that's an important part of this conversation is that like the new artist. Um, they're not always aware of what they're giving away and they, they're not always aware of what their message in their work is conveying. And sometimes they don't even think they have a message, but lo and behold, you look at it from a different point of view and you go, Oh, that's what this is saying. And 
that can be humbling and it can be a very vulnerable thing. And I think there's a part of the artistic process, I guess, where you just have to kind of do your best, you know, go like, okay, well, this is what I'm trying to do. And then you go and you do it. And then you're going to see what kind of comes out of that. And it's going to be enlightening to you. And sometimes you're not going to like what it enlightens you about. I mean, sometimes you're going to see something maybe about the work or maybe even about yourself that you're like, Ooh, that's, I don't like that. You know what I mean? But this can be a good thing. And I think this is part of the learning process. I think ultimately though, for all of our listeners, one of our goals, you know, Evan and I have had for ourselves, but also for you guys is like encouraging and inspiring you to be that masterful artist, that artist who's aware of what they're doing and, and understands their craft so well and knows how they're communicating, what they're communicating. And they're not able to, they're not in denial about if they're communicating something different than they intended, they're aware and they can kind of, uh, you know, you can kind of pick it up and go, Oh, I see what I've done here. Um, mm-hmm. do I really want to say this? Maybe not. Let me revise or, Hey, what a happy accident. Look at this. I actually had a discovery. I didn't realize was there. Yeah. I think that that's always, a part of the creative process as well as that, you know, leaving room for, for some mystery. Like you come into something, it's like, okay, well, this is what my intention is. This is what I'm trying to do. And sometimes the creative process takes you for a ride and you realize that it's, oh, uh, this is actually about something else. I just didn't realize that, but you, you become aware of that. And, and then now, um, you, you are engaging it from a new, from a new place. Um, but even just in what you're saying as well, you know, part of the funny thing about this too is that when you look at particularly like writers, you know, in, in any sort of field, uh, I would say that probably the most, we'll go with music because that's the one that most people would be most accessible to or whatever. And, and you often hear the circulate, you know, someone puts out a song or whatever and it becomes popular and but you listen to to music from from your favorite artists and you go oh i wonder what they were talking about or who they were talking about with this song you know and people have all of these guesses and ideas about you know what what it's about you know what they think it's about and the thing is is that it could be totally wrong and you hear lots of artists talk about this where they they get a little bit they get a little bit cheeky about it when people start asking them about, well, what did you mean? What was the song about? And it's just like, well, I don't really want to tell you necessarily, not just because maybe it's something that talking directly about is just too private for them, but also because for some people, like, I don't want to take away your experience of it and what it means to you, because obviously it has a certain kind of a meaning to you. And if I tell you it's not about that, like that, that might ruin some of the song for you. Right. So it's part of this, also this interesting problem in creating things and in art where you don't know how the person who's receiving it is going to perceive it. Right. You know what you were doing in the making of it, but as there was this, uh, one of my favorite quotes around this, and and this doesn't just pertain to writing, but um, he was like this French literary scholar who said, the birth of the reader comes at the death of the author. Hmm. 
and that's just kind of a part of of when you put your thing out there is that now it's going through other people's eyes but I like to think and I hope that I'm not being naive about this but I think that maybe people don't get the intention that you had but they are picking up on an intention right there's a quality that begins to become imbued in what you're doing that takes on a bit of a life of its own and that can mean different things to different people um but it's still important because otherwise you don't you don't spark that 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 life within it and you don't spark that life within the person who is who is the audience to it anymore right so it's like i don't think that it's even though what your original intention might might get lost there is still an intention that is received from the other person hmm. intention just spitballing like, just yeah. spitballing here <laughs> it's such a big part of the whole artistic process i mean i remember one time you shared that there you know there are certain people that just think intention doesn't matter and i mean i like it just makes my jaw drop to think that anybody could even consider that intention doesn't matter. Like intention is everything because you can cause damage in this world, but if your intention was good, it's, it's understandable because sometimes the damage that happens is an unexpected thing that sometimes is a byproduct of trying to do something good. And the best people in the world have done bad things with good intentions, you know, there's that, that famous mm -hmm. saying, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions is, is it's true. Sometimes we think we're helping something and we're actually hurting it. You know, we, we don't always know, but it's important that you look at your intention and you consider it. And also that you don't put too much weight on your intention at the same time where you don't go like, I know what's best for everybody. I know what everybody needs to hear and do and whatever. And I am mm -hmm. just going to tell you, and we're going to do it. And it's like, well, no, maybe not. You know, Alan Watts has this very awesome speech where he talks about how they, they were learning gene editing and stuff like that. And they were like, well, what kind of people should we, should we develop if we could alter their genes and create them? And he says, well, whatever you do, don't create a bunch of people basically the way you think they should be created. Cause that's, you know, under a false perspective of what you think the best type of human being is. And, you know, there could be a given situation where someone who doesn't seem very important right now is vital, you know, to some other situation. Mm -hmm. So I think um, intention does matter, but also at the same time, I do think there is a certain amount of like, your intentions need a humility where you can kind of go in, especially as an artist. I mean, but I guess really in anything, but especially as an artist, because you need to go in with the idea that like, okay, I'm telling this story or I'm painting this painting, I'm writing this song and this is what it means. And this is what I'm saying. But if you discover that it says something different and it means something different, and when all the things come together, it's different than what you intended on. You need to be perceptive enough to go, look what I've done here. You know what I mean? I, I, and, and sometimes you have to be willing to like, just kind of, I don't know, like, like just recognize that you put your foot in your mouth a little bit. You know what I mean? Like you just kind of did the wrong thing, said the wrong thing, even though you didn't mean to, but also at the same time, and one last thing I'll say about this is like, 
if someone has bad intent, I think that matters because, you know, someone might inadvertently do something good, but they have bad intent. And it's not like that intent should be forgotten. You know what I mean? Like it matters. Like, and if, if, um, if you have bad intent and you don't recognize that you have bad intent and you get away because you, you had bad intent, but something good happened out of it inadvertently, you should still acknowledge the fact that you had bad intent. Like that mm -hmm. matters. It's not like that, that went away, you know, and the person you are, you always have to live with that person. And the person you are always knows, they always know your intent. You might be able to fool other people about it, but your intent, you actually have to live with it. And you might think that you got away with it, but you never get away with anything. It's always hidden in your internal world, always. And it, and it goes with you for the rest of your life until you make peace with it. Yeah, that reminds me of uh, a chapter from The Laws of Spirit by Dan Millman in The Law of Integrity, where... Uh, you know, I, I think it was from that book at least, but anyhow, it was, it was definitely Dan Millman. And it was like, you know, most of us, we grew up and whenever we did something wrong, you know, very often there was somebody there, there was a parent, there was a figure there to point us out, Hey, you did something wrong there. Right. But eventually at some point, you know, there are things that you do that, you know, are wrong, but nobody saw it. Right. And, but ultimately you are always the person you always saw it. Yeah. You always are the one. And, and so sometimes, um, you know, and he was talking a bit about consequences there too, because sometimes it's like, oh, somebody would see that you did something wrong. So you had a consequence. So there was this sort of feeling of often of closure, right? Uh, in the times that we've done something bad, right? But then there are times when nobody saw it and there's no consequences, right? And so we carry this shit around with us, right? It's like, oh, I did that. I did that. I did that. Right. And so, which is a bit more of a, more of a mess, um, in, in some regards, but, um, there was something in what you were saying there. What that I thought that was, some, oh no. Yeah. It was, it was basically about, yeah, this whole thing about like intention doesn't matter. It's like, look, our laws show that intention matters based on severity. So it's like, if you kill somebody, right? If you kill somebody, we have different degrees of which you killed somebody. And yeah. they all pretty much have to do with intent, right? You either plan to do this, you didn't plan to do this, right? Like, the, the and we reckon... Or with self-defense or... You yeah. Know. Yeah. Like there's like, and that all has to do with intention. Yeah. We, we recognize that that's an important thing. Like the way in which you just, that this happened is important because it says something about who you are to a certain extent or, or where, where your, your psychology is at, you know, where your mind is at because, because it does matter. You know, there's, there's a huge difference that, that goes on with that. So, um, yeah, the, the when bringing this back into <laughs> taking this away from murder <laughs> and killing people <laughs> and back into the more creative artistic sphere, like that's, that's part of it is, is, and I think that this is something we, we were discussing this before we started recording, which was, 
sometimes there's like in film and and in storytelling there are often movies where you can tell that by the way that it ended that that choice was made out of some sense of being interesting out of some sense of well it's different i just don't want it to end and don't get me wrong i enjoy films that surprise me you know that deliver something unexpected that that i'm like oh i've never seen anything quite like that before but if it's for that reason alone that it's been done and you can sense it like you can sense when that has happened it's just this kind of empty feeling right like there's just this like okay like that's usually how I end those types of movies where I was just go okay like why mm-hmm. like so what not like and and it can ruin a whole a whole movie yeah. that that as you said you were saying before Brandon like can can be a really good movie and then because of this choice to to have a kind of unintentional ending um, that there's no reason for it to have ended in the way that it did other than the, for the just trying to be interesting. It makes, it detracts from the whole thing because underlying the whole tradition of storytelling is these ideas of transformation, these ideas of transcendence, these ideas of becoming more than we once were, these ideas of uh, or of even giving us a cautionary tale, giving us an insight that changes us, that gives us catharsis. Like there's all of these functions of storytelling that that are the very uh, the very lifeblood of why we tell us tell a story. And then when you do some shit, like just do something because it's kind of cool and interesting and different, and that's the only reason you have betrayed that that entire tradition the entire purpose in which we we want to hear stories right you can have an ending in a way that is something unusual and like we've never seen before and still deliver something with clear intention that has something that you're trying to say in it all right but when you're not trying to say anything it either becomes pointless or you run the risk of saying something you didn't you really actually don't want mm-hmm. people to to walk away from but you're leaving it you're leaving that space kind of open yeah there well one thing that i learned through my kind of like when i went through kind of a spiritual awakening which by the way is really just a, a <laughs> fancy way of talking about going through depression but like when i went through that which was an eye-opening experience because that's really what it was. And I think you can, you can get into the valley of depression and never leave it. You can, you can get stuck there. And that's what makes it so friggin' frightening to be in it because I feel like some people, they just give up when they get into that, they get into that rock bottom place. They just kind of, they normalize it and they exist in it and they just accept it. And then worse, they do things to, um, basically just try and feel better. Cause usually when you're in depression, it feels pretty horrible. 
I mean, it sounds obvious, but like, if you've never been in it, if you've never been really like depressed, um, it's hard to explain the level of hopelessness and just kind of weird. It's like a weird pain at times. It's, it's it has, takes on many, many forms. Um, but lots of people, they don't know how to get out of it. So it makes sense. You know, they'll, they'll take a pill, they'll drink, they'll distract themselves with all sorts of things like video games and movies and drugs and all sorts of stuff. Right. And then they just get stuck in it and they just exist in it indefinitely. And it's, and it's horror. It's horrible because you just kind of start to begin to accept that your life is that way. What I found though, when I went through my experience and it was no short time, at least in my life, I, I don't feel like it was, it was a matter of years. And there was, I would say one year or two years where it was absolutely just brutal. And there was kind of the leading into it and there was a leading out of it period. Right. But what I found during that time was that a life without meaning is empty and bleak and pointless. And when life becomes pointless, depression becomes really the the ultimate uh, outcome. You know, there's really no, there's no way, two ways around it. So like what dug me out of it and how I started to climb my way out of that depression was I felt like, okay, I'm not sitting here forever. There's no way, like either I'm going to die or I'm getting out of this. It was really like do or die for me. There was no way I was going to exist in that for the rest of my life. It was, you know, unacceptable outcome. And what I found was that what got me into it was the meanings I had leading into it had all been kind of destroyed and erased, not all, but most. And I was left at a certain point with no purpose, no meaning. Everything seemed chaotic. Everything seemed purposeless. It was horrible. And then I kind of started to realize, I'm like, okay, well, I can't exist in a world of chaos. Like, there's just no way, like it, this doesn't work. And, it, and I started to see that it doesn't work for anybody. And I began to understand that we all make meaning. We, we, we decide what matters and what doesn't. We decide to make something meaningful, not meaningful. We connect events together and decide they mean something and that they matter. And, and we decide if something matters or doesn't. And it really doesn't matter without us there. We are the matter makers. We are the meaning makers. And so when you think of story or intention, it's ultimately what's the meaning, you know, like what is the, what is the purpose? What is the, the point? And I think that story is one of the things that has helped humanity go through all sorts of trials and tribulations and it's helped people go through trials and tribulations. I know it has for myself and many others. So when you're, when you're putting an intention into your work, just think of it like I'm creating, I'm one of the meaning makers. I'm one of the matter makers. I make things matter. I'm making something, I'm drawing attention to something. And if, if you want to draw attention to it, why do you want to draw attention to it? And, and for what purpose and what point and, 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 and what of it are you making of that? You know, and sometimes it might not be to make people feel better. Sometimes it actually might be to make them feel worse, but sometimes that's what, you know, but it's causing change. It's causing enlightenment. It's causing a wake up. It's not all about just feeling good. Mm -hmm. The intention matters and the message matters and the meaning matters and the matter. And we think of matter like actual, like tangible stuff, but like, I'm talking about matter in like meaning is matter. If you see how I put all that together, 
Like the world only exists, matter only exists because of meaning. If it doesn't mean anything, it doesn't matter. It doesn't exist. It's not real anymore. And neither are you. That was a nice little, <laughs> I was like wrapping my head around that one. We're like, okay, I think I follow. I think I follow that. Um, yeah. And, and it's interesting that this has taken a, a turn into this thing of, of meaning, although I suppose it shouldn't be that surprising. I think of the fantastic book, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. You know, one of the the passages from that that I remember just just slapping me across the face was that like, and I'm paraphrase, par- paraphrasing here, but it was like the problem that like that human beings face isn't that the world is meaningless. The problem that we face is that the world is so unconditionally meaningful to a level beyond what we can comprehend. <laughs> Which is like, so in, I guess in many ways it's like, well, you know, show us what you've found. Yeah. You know, like that's kind of like the, the artist, like show us the meaning that you have found. Right. Maybe, and maybe that helps somebody else find meaning in a meaningful way. Right. Because the thing is, is with, uh, with meaning and with story, as we've talked about in our talks about the law of story and meaning, which are, we've essentially boiled down, like they're kind of the same thing. Story and meaning are, story creates meaning and vice versa, that kind of thing, right? But the, you can use that completely against yourself too, right? Like you can make things meaningful in a way that's not, not beneficial to anybody, totally. including yourself, right? So I think that's uh, having something to say, and, and maybe this is where this conversation also steers into, into having something to say as a responsibility as well. I think there's that. I, I, I think that that plays into it. And I think for a lot of artists, they you know, especially younger artists, I think there's, it's kind of a drag, you know, it's like, oh, I, I gotta have something to say. Like I had some big message, something to say. And it's like, well, look, like you don't have to like, it's not about saving the world or saving everybody, but like, maybe you just got something to say about what it's like to be a teenager. You know what I mean? Like, what's it yeah. like to be a teenager today? Like, look, I, I don't know. Like I'm not a teenager anymore. I know what it was like for me to be a teenager, but maybe for you, it's different. And maybe your experience and maybe the place you grew up in the city and all that stuff. And maybe there's a movie just in that, you know, or a painting or a song just in that. I don't know, whatever your medium is. And I think also like, you know, we've been talking about the importance of meaning, but also sometimes things don't mean as much as you make them. And that's an important thing to be aware of too. Sometimes things just don't matter that much. Like, the, the problems I had in high school are so minuscule compared to the adult challenges I've faced. But like at the time, they were very important and very, they, they made, meant a lot to me. Um, you know, so it's, it's relative to some degree, like what matters to you at what times in your life. Um, you know, sometimes they're not very, they don't matter that much later on. Um, you know, like sometimes 
Like if you've had a, for example, if you, if you say you're very like materialistic, right? Maybe you don't identify as materialistic. You don't see yourself that way, but like, let's just say you are, and you don't know. There could be a time where you start to realize it's like, did I really need to buy all those shoes and those pants and those, you know, those clothes and all that stuff that I did and whatever it was. And you're like, like, what was I trying to do? You know, um, who, like, why, um, you know, and you can start to look at that. It was like, well, that was kind of a waste of money. That was a waste of time and energy. Um, but at the time it mattered to you. And for some reason, and it's not necessarily about walking away and just going, I'm so dumb. That was such a silly thing to do. It's kind of looking back and going, like, why did that matter to me so much at that time? You know, why, why did I care about that stuff? And maybe I don't care about it now. And if you can kind of get some perspective on that, there might be something in the art that you're doing or, you know, the way you're communicating that can kind of express these awarenesses that you've had, you know, we don't, we're not born with these kind of perfectly enlightened um, awarenesses about ourselves, others, and the world. Those are things we have to discover as we, as we go through this life, you know, it's just, it's a matter of, you know, is it, um, you know, is it something that we can kind of just work out as we go, you know? And, mm -hmm. and I think that's a part of the awareness game. You just got to kind of figure it out. Yeah. And asking questions, like you just brought in questions. There's like, okay, well, why was that important to me then? Why, why is this not important to me now? Like these are important things. These are very mindful, aware things that you can ask yourself, and which is very much part of, of being, an artist, you know, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have a, that you have to have some sort of concrete answer to that. And in fact, I, I would say that for a lot of, for a lot of artists in whatever medium there is, sometimes there, there can be in too much of a focus on like, I have to have the answer to this question as to why I'm doing this, as opposed to well, no, you have a question as to why you're doing this. And sometimes the question is the thing to get you started, is the thing to get you to get you going. And you might start to come to some kind of understanding about the question through the whole process of doing it. But yeah, like that that's when you're creating something like, okay, well, why am I doing this? Why do I, why am I wanting to say this? Why am I wanting to communicate this, this message? And why now, you know, this reminds me a little bit of, uh, when we had our old acting teacher, Ted Whittall on the show, and he was talking about how he was talking about how the text you know, so like the, the, the actual text of a play or a movie uh, has no meaning outside of the performance, which is like a pretty, pretty, <laughs> is a pretty insane thing to say in, in, in many ways. But like there's, there, you brought up a fascinating case for the whole thing. And I actually, I'm inclined to, to agree with him. And it wasn't just him saying it. It was, uh, it was this very smart scholar and head of, I can't remember the, the name, but I, I think he was from Duke University. 
He's like the one of the leading scholars of of dramatic text in the world or something like that. But that there's no meaning outside of its performance and no meaning outside of where and when it's being performed. And as Ted brought up, uh, the sort of great director and pioneer of modern acting, uh, Stanislavski would say to his his theater company whenever they were looking at doing some play or bringing back some some play and he would say well why this and why now Mm. right and and then as ted sort of elaborated on it was it's like and not just why this and why now but why in this place so like why why are we performing a play that comes out of that came from sweden in the 1890s in a theater in Cleveland, Ohio, <laughs> you know, like in a small community, you know, like, or, or some, so just some other place in the world in a different time. Why are we doing this now? Right. Because it, it might not be the same reason that it was being done at the time. And why would we want to do it for the reason that it was being done at the, that time? You know what I mean? Unless we're trying to peer into some kind of a time capsule. But no, we have to ask that question because we, we need to go, what is its meaning now? Right? Like, what are we trying to say with this now? Mm. What's the reason? Because it's not good enough. It's like, oh, well, it's a classic. Right? It's like, no, 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 no. That's not what, what this is about. That's not what storytelling is about. We need to find the meaning of this. And why we've and why we as a as a company as a as a group have decided that this is worth pulling up again, sharing again, and doing here for for our community, you know. And because the meaning of it can change, you know, like it it can, which is one of the fascinating things. It goes back into like that sort of how people perceive and interpret something, but how the same text, you know, how Shakespeare can is still performed all over the world today and that you can still find new meaning in it you know you can still perform you can perform lear or macbeth for a different reason than it was at the time Mm -hmm. and it still contains elements that support the meaning that you see in it now those those shakespearean plays they carry with them so many great messages. And so it it makes sense why those things continually get brought back up and over and over again. I mean, there's transcendent wisdoms that were carried through in those stories. And even if people are like, well, you know, Shakespeare didn't really come up with those. You could took whatever. (laughs) It doesn't really matter. I mean, look, man, everything's taken from somewhere. Everything. It's all, it's all just borrowed, you know? And, and, and some people like to say it's stolen, but it's like, I mean, it really work is, the work is 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 proof of itself you know yeah. like whatever you think outside of it the the work is is incredible hey everybody this is evan and this episode is brought to you by my book yes i recently released a book called the actor's awakening connecting spirituality to craft expand yourself as an actor and your craft through a spiritual perspective Take a journey that will explore universal philosophies and insights to help you understand human nature in a profound way and develop practices to take your work to another level. Again, that's The Actor's Awakening, Connecting Spirituality to Craft, available on Kindle and paperback on Amazon. And as always, if you like the show, 
please subscribe. And fathers and sons and mothers and daughters are always going to have a very interesting dynamic that is timeless and new. And it will be new and timeless over and over and over again. And there will be consistencies that, you know, your challenge with your father, your challenge with your mother today are not unlike somebody who is in the 1800s or the 1500s or whatever. And when you can find how your modern life is almost similar in a, in a certain way, when you can find that kind of timeless connection point, but yet what might be different and you can find that nuance in it. It's, it's a great discovery as an actor and, and also as a writer and, you know, and um, there's, there's things that they just kind of, we just carry with us as a kind of almost a coding in humanity and, and story. It, it carries those messages forward to new generations and, and basically gives them an experience of it. And I think like, you know, when you're beginning as an actor, I don't know, this is my experience, but like, you just want to get parts. You just want to act. You just want to like, you know, be in stuff. You want to get cast. And that's like such a big part of it. And you don't really care what, like, I mean, maybe you might have some things you're like, no, I definitely wouldn't do that. But like, for the most part, you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're making a movie. Amazing. <laughs> you're thinking of casting me. Awesome. Like, I don't even care what it's about. Like, just great. Like I can play the character, you know, it's fun. Um, so like, for those of you out there who like you're in that place where you just want to do the stuff you want to work, you want to act, you want to play, and you're not really like too caught up in the whole, like, um, you know, the message of stuff. I don't like, I get it. I get how that overrides your care, but, you know, just to give you some life advice that might be worth considering is that when I was younger, I did some movies that in hindsight, like I can think of two of them at least that I did two short films that I did. And I was like, why did I do those? Like, I shouldn't have done those. Those are dumb. <laughs> One was the message of the film was not worked out well, well enough. And it, it doesn't, and I didn't, I don't know, like every lot of actors turned the role down just because it was a very controversial content. And I understand why they did. And then I ended up doing the role. Like, I know like some people just like, they wouldn't, I don't know if it was like, they turned it down and that's what got me cast or they just turned it down and they were just having a struggle getting an actor to play this role or some of these roles in this movie. But the subject matter was a little bit, um, like it was controversial and I thought there was something good about it, but also at the same time, I didn't think the message was worked out. And I was super young and new to the whole thing. So I didn't really know how much I could kind of push. And I probably could have got them to, rewrite the script a little bit and kind of flesh out their idea a little bit more, you know? And so the one thing I'm going to say about that, if you're a young actor and you just like, you've got a role and you're like, not sure about the role, like maybe the, the scene or the movie or something doesn't say something quite that you like agree with, or you think is okay, or you're not totally, you know, understand you have a little bit more power than you realize, like your suggestion to say like, Hey, you know, I've read the script, I read the scene, and this is kind of what I'm getting from it. Like, even if you're in the audition, like, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm like, talk to the director and writer and producers and say, look, usually they'll ask, do you have any questions? And you can say, yeah, I do. It's not about the role. My question is a bit about the script and the story and the scene. And this is the thing, like, 
it like it seems to kind of say this at the end and i don't know like if that's what you meant or like what are you trying to say and that fact that you actually paid attention and you like looked at the work they will appreciate that and they might not take it but it won't get you out of the role if they're reasonable good people to work with and if they're not then you don't want to work with them anyway so mm-hmm. That's something I learned through that part of the process is like, speak up. If you, if there's something about this project you're working on, especially if it's in film and it's collaborative, maybe you're a bunch of bandmates, like talk, like let people know your thoughts and your experience. I mean, that stuff's valid and it's important. The other thing is one time I did a film where I did, I helped them a lot with their story. And they, they took me on these meetings. They actually took me to dinner meetings and they said, well, what do you take on this? What's your take on that? And this was like an indie film and it was uh, like a, um, it was, it was a Japanese funded film or whatever. And I was like, there was a bunch of concerns I had about it. And then they, they would take me to dinner and they would talk to me and they'd be like, they like begged me to do the role. And it's nice when you're an actor to like be begged to do a role. You're like, it must feel so good. Like they want me, they like me. And in my heart and in my gut, I knew that it was like, there's something wrong. Like this wasn't, this wasn't right. Like I, I, I should walk away. And I didn't. And when I got the final film back, it just, it was not put together well. And it's like, it's really bad. And it's, it's not so much like, I'm actually not upset with my performance, but like, for example, they didn't sync my, my audio to my voice properly. So I look like a bad Kung Fu fighter. <laughs> You know, it's like just stuff, right? Just stuff that I just knew they didn't have together. You know what I mean? And so like, my other thing is, is like, um, you know, as you're, as you're working on your art and you're, you know, you maybe just want to act and you want to do this stuff, like don't count yourself out. Like, you you know, if you have a bad feeling about something or something doesn't seem right, or it doesn't seem like it's going to be meaningful work for you, don't do it. Like, don't, don't do that to yourself. Don't cheapen your art. Don't cheapen your work. And I, I get it, especially for the actors. Like sometimes it's just feels so good to get a role or to get the opportunity to get an audition. Even, mm-hmm. you know, I get that you really are just trying to break in and trying to get some work and trying to move your career forward, but you will actually have more success in my opinion, if you are more critical and you have more, um, meaning and depth with your work, like come in with a little intention about what you're doing. You know, it doesn't matter and your voice matters. And, you know, and I, I just think it's really important uh, element to bring into this because I think sometimes artists don't speak up and they don't really acknowledge their voice because they just so badly want the job. Yeah. Like I can relate to that a lot, particularly earlier in in my career, you know, it's like I've, and I know, I understand not everybody's like this, but I'm a person who was like this and, and probably still am to, to a few, few degrees, but as an actor, yeah, I was always afraid to ask questions. Um, you know, just in terms of where my head was at and, and how I, perceived what I was doing and, and the industry that I was in as an actor, which was probably, I I'm just surmising here, like oversimplifying this probably, but 
you know, it's like, okay, you got to come in and you got to know exactly what you're doing and know exactly what this is supposed, like what they're trying to say. Cause if you don't know what it is, then you have failed. Right. Which is totally nuts. Right. And I wish that I had in different occasions in audition rooms or on sets or whatever, asked questions of things that I, I wasn't sure about. Right. Because the thing is, it's like, you know, there's some idea that like, oh, these people will think that I'm stupid or these people, will, you know, will be offended in some way. I mean, <laughs> a writer or a director or a writer slash director of a project is probably going to be fucking thrilled that you have an interest in what they've put together. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and we'll be so like, be like, yeah, I want to talk to you about this. Right. Like it actually shows the opposite. It shows that you are concerned. It shows that you are engaged. It shows that you are a person who is willing to work and collaborate and knows how to do that. Right. And who also wants to understand as best as possible the vision that that they have. Right. So it's something that I wish I had done. But yeah, like that that kind of engagement of of asking other people the question you know because especially when you're in a collaborative type of environment you know and it's not necessarily in acting or anything like that but there's anytime you find yourself in a creative collaborative environment like when ask questions of the people who are you know behind it the people who are sort of leading or spearheading what's going on very often people are going to be nothing but happy to engage in that with you you know to like really to really like dive in it's like all right well this is really what we're trying to do oh okay all right and then you're you're brought into that whole process right like there's nothing bad that comes out of it and and i mean and if anything does like you said like asking a simple innocent question like that and if someone has a bad response to it like you know, then you need to be questioning why you might necessarily want to be working with those people to begin with. I think it really does all come down to intention because, you know, you get these actors, they come in and they ask questions just to try to be in the room longer to try and talk. And they're not good questions. And like, you know, from a, from a filmmaker producer point of view, you know, being behind the table, like that's kind of just like a waste of time. Like if you're just like, people can pick up on your intention more than you realize. You know, but if you have a genuine curiosity about the script, like, especially if I'm the writer and I'm in the room, the director and the producer will turn to you and go like, what do you think? And you as the writer get to answer or something like that, or the director gets to answer. Like, we love that shit. We love explaining, <laughs> we love telling you what we did. You know what I mean? Yeah. We love clarifying. We want you to do it right. Like we didn't bring you in. Because we're just like, like, I mean, maybe there's scenarios where this happens, but for the most part, we brought you in because we really thought like, maybe you could do the role and maybe you'll be a, the winning choice, you know? So if you genuinely have a curiosity, that's a good question. I mean, you will open up a dialogue and it will warm you up to people because, you know, they're clarified. If you ask a bad question and there are bad questions, and I think this is an important thing to kind of note just because we're on this topic. Intention though. You usually know when it's a bad question. Like, could I use a chair? 
Yeah, like whatever. Like you want to use a chair, like use the chair. Like I don't, I don't care, give a shit. That doesn't matter to us, right? Like when we're looking at you trying to assess whether you can do the part and whether you have the confidence, like if you need a chair, take a chair. You know what I mean? Like don't, like that's not a good question. But like if you're trying to understand like, like it's not like you might say like, look, I read the script, I read the, or I read the scene or I read whatever. And it's not totally clear to me what the relationship between these two people are. It seems like this, am I right? Or is it something else? Then, then the person who's behind there, uh, maybe even the cast director, maybe they go, well, you're not, okay, well, we don't really know. Okay, well, look, I'm going to, I'm going to play it this way. I'm going to, like, I'm going to go with it this way and I can go with it that way if it makes sense. And if you really feel like that's going to alter your performance and change some things, like you imagine, here's just an example. You get a scene, great scene. Seems really awesome. Guy and a girl talking, whatever. And, you know, it's like, okay, they got good banter. They're funny, whatever. And then you're like, I'm going to play it kind of like, you know, I'm trying to, trying to get laid. Turns out it's your sister and it's <laughs> weird and like, you didn't know that, you know what I mean? And that wasn't somehow explicit, you know what I mean? And you tried to make this choice and then everybody's kind of like, what the hell? Right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if there's some like kind of confusion about a relationship or it doesn't seem clear, you might want to clarify that. I don't know. I'm just kind of giving you an example of where you could like walk into something the wrong way. Um, but I think the point is, is like, come in with intention, you know? And if your intention is not like, if your intention is to be interesting, like I'm just talking to actors really, because this is kind of what we're talking about. But like, if your intention is to ask questions, to be interesting, that's not going to work. And it might work with some people, but like, you know, that's not really going to help you. If your intention is to come in and connect about the work and get clarity and figure out how to like, open some doors or even help them to make it better. Cause if you're of service, then you're gonna, you're, you're gonna create something, you know, and intention really does matter. So it's like, before you ask a question or before you do something like, like really check in, like, well, why am I doing this? Am I doing it just to talk? Am I doing it just to fill a space to fill the room? Or am I doing it because I'm actually trying to be of service to make something better to maybe help me, but maybe help you. A word that's popping up to my head with all of this is, is also being genuine. Mm. Uh, because yeah, it's not like, like there's intention, which matters, but it's also, there's this element of like, is it genuine? Because that's another quality in the things that you do that, that, shines through on some level i think whenever you you come in with something that's really genuine like what you were saying even in in simply having a question of a director when you're coming into an audition room or the writer and it, it, when you're auditioning or something like we can pick up on if it's something genuine or not versus something that's just like oh you're trying to appear really clever or something like that. It's like, there's a difference between, between it's like, Oh, that's a really genuine question. You know, that's a, they're, they're, you're really attempting to do something. It's coming from a real true place within you, which is the hallmark of great art. You know, there's something genuine about it, even though you can't really, that's one of those things that I, I don't think that 
can really be articulated. Not, not ever fully whenever something real comes out of an artist and into their, into their craft and into their art form, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like there's people who will spend lots of time trying to articulate it and describe it and, (laughs) you know, and, and that's their own art form to a certain extent, you know, people who play with words and people who, who try to understand, um, and describe the indescribable, you Mm. know, that's, that's, that's a whole art form in and of itself. That's basically what poetry is. Poetry is trying to describe what is indescribable, um, in an emotional way and something that, that, that lights you up, right? That's the, the art of, of poetry, right? But it's, um, and then in many ways, and which is funny, I, I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but then I'm like, yeah, and then you read a great piece of poetry and it not only like touches you about the thing that it's talking about, but sometimes the poetry itself does something to you that's kind of indescribable, <laughs> which is a, a, a fascinating thing. But that always comes from a genuine place that comes from someone being able to somehow translate what is real and honest and true and authentic in them into what they're doing in, in some way. And, and as human beings, there's a part of us that recognizes that. And there's a part of us that really, truly respects it. Mm. You know, whether we necessarily, uh, agree with what the intention is, if we agree with what the message or the meaning of it is or not, we can still connect with something that is, um, that is, yeah, that is genuine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, there's something I heard when I was younger, which was, um, the best people ask the best questions. That's kind of been ringing around in my head Mm. a little bit here. And, you know, it's true because, like asking questions is such a good thing to do, but there are bad questions. There are dumb questions. There are inappropriate (laughs) questions. There are questions that are, um, they're just poorly timed and poorly placed. And maybe in certain contexts they are good, but in other contexts they are not. You know, and I think like, I think when you get real with yourself, right? When you don't try to do anything that's like, if you, if you looked at the world this way, this is something I would tell my younger self, look at the world as though everything that you intend to do, people can see that like they're looking through like clean glass. They can see everything inside you and they can see every intention you have right now. If they could see it, if you do something, they can see it. Would you do it? And if you don't like what they would see in your intention, then maybe don't do it. And if you do like what they would see in your intention, then do it. And and if you put yourself through that kind of critical thought, like critical process, you would have much better questions, much better actions, much better intentions in all you did. Like, for example, if I ever catch myself today being like, I want to be liked, I go, like, I'm about to say something to like be liked. And you know what? Honestly, every once in a while, I will slip up. I will. It just happens. But most of the time, I can see it now, most of the time. And I'm like, I want to say this thing. And I'm about to say it. And I'm like, why are you saying it? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I think they'll think I'm smart. Don't say it. That's a dumb reason to say it. That's not a good reason. That's not, that, that's you saying that you're not smart. Why do you have to prove to them you're smart? Mm. Right? Like, so I'll just stop. I'll just hold my tongue. I just won't do it. I'll come up. I'll let, I'll let myself sit with it and, and try not to. And, you know, there was a time in my life and probably even on this podcast where I've said stuff where I'm like, oh, people think this is real smart. You know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's like, but, but it, it does something to your, it does something. It like makes it ungenuine what you're trying to do, you know, and it robs something from what you're putting out there in the world and who you're being. And, you know, we all have, we all have, uh, you know, we all have needs and wants and desires and things like that. So like, I don't think anybody's wrong for trying to be liked or trying to impress somebody or trying to look smart or do whatever you're trying to do. Like, look, we all do it in some way, but if you really want to like take this, what we're talking about, like even when you're writing a script and you're writing a scene, why are you writing the scene? If you're writing it because you think it'll be interesting and it'll make you look like a great writer, don't write it. Stop. It's not a good reason to write the scene. But if there's some other like reason, like some type of service or something that you, you know, and just imagine that everybody can see your intention, like 100%. They're going to see right through your bullshit and they're going to see exactly what you're doing. Just take a breath, you know, like I just say, just, just stop. And like, why am I insecure about that? Why do I need to look cool? Why do I need to be interesting? Because that's what you're saying. You're basically telling everybody that you're insecure, right? So stop. And look, it's okay to be insecure, but like, don't indulge that behavior and that action. Don't indulge insecurity. Everybody's insecure. It's just a matter of like, how much do we indulge it? Don't indulge it. That's, that's my kind of point of advice with this topic, you know, because like, if your intention is just to, you know, basically keep solidifying your insecurity in the world, I mean, what do you think you're going to end up with? Mm. Yeah, no, that's you. This is an interesting territory that, uh, that you've steered this into because yeah, like just in that example of like wanting to be liked and that insecurity, it's like, it's one of those things of you can, choose to to be unaware of it or to not acknowledge it and then it ends up it ends up kind of taking control of you it ends up having run of the show you're not really running the show your insecurity is running the show right and as opposed to being like oh i'm insecure i'm feeling insecure right now in this setting and with these people right okay but now you actually have an opportunity for that not to be the thing that is running the show, right? You can acknowledge it and say like, oh, I'm not going to say this thing because me saying this thing is just coming out of complete insecurity right now. And there's actually no need for me to say this because where it's coming from and what its intention is, is not, is not really representative of the person that I am or the person that I want to be kind of a thing. So, yeah, no, that's an interesting, uh, that's an interesting thing you brought up, Brandon. Hey, well, you know, it made its way in. It's, you know, it's good. I I don't know. Like, man, I mean, I think the thing is, is like with, with all of this stuff that we talk about, you know, there's always a little bit of, um, there's always a little bit of reflection 
upon, you know, our careers and my career specifically for myself. And it's like, well, what would I tell myself, you know, my younger years, like, and, 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 you know, I just try to, I always try to look at it in terms of like, man, if, if we just learned a couple just basic things, like, and it's not so much that we need to know a lot of information, but just, we understood a little bit about the way we go about stuff, you know, like sometimes, you know, there's many different ways to do the, to do something, but if you look at it like, like this is way of the artist, right? It's not always, I, I say this to writers, it's not the best way. It's not the best way necessarily, but it's the best you got right now. And if you have better options, you can find better ways, but sometimes you have to, you have to choose bad options before you can find better options. But I, but I look at it in terms of like, if you just so happen to be listening to this podcast and this is relevant to you, maybe this, gives you a better way to go about it. I'm not saying it's the best, but it might be a better way than the way you're doing it. And you might be shooting yourself in the foot by making decisions out of insecurity constantly. And you don't know why, why am I always so insecure? Why am I coming off as insecure? Why, you know, why do people not really listen to me or answer my questions or give me attention or, you know, or, or really seem to want to involve me? Well, maybe it's just the way you're doing it. Maybe you're doing a lot of things right but the way you're doing it kind of taints it, you know, and, and people are picking up on that. They're picking up on your intention and, and you don't understand, but it's like taking something away from, from your authentic, genuine connection. So, you know, I'm glad it came up. I mean, you know, it, it's a good reminder for myself as well as like, um, you know, I caught myself in a conversation the other day and um, I was, uh, I walked away from it and I was thinking, you know, there was a point in this conversation where I was talking about some stuff that didn't really matter, but I, but like, why was I, and I asked myself, like, why was I doing that? It was like, well, I wanted to keep the conversation going, but I didn't have anything interesting to kind of like input, but I was trying to, I was just trying to keep it going. I'm like, that's, that's so bad. Mm-hmm. But also I understand why I was kind of like, cause I knew, like I walked away and I was like, well, you know, I was kind of like, like why was I doing it? And I'm like, well, that's kind of genuine, you know, you're trying to keep the conversation going and you're spinning your wheels a little bit. Okay. Like that's not so bad. It's not the best, but like, at least I know why I was doing it. You know what I mean? And so I walked away from that going like, okay, well, what kind of spun me out? You know what I mean? And maybe the next time I'm in a conversation where I feel like I need to kind of keep it going and I'm struggling, maybe I can find a better way to keep it going than just blowing air out of my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's, that, that that's a fascinating thing you know because like you you've taken some of my classes and you you know a little bit about what that is but like one of the the big things i tell people is because so much of it is just to constantly recognizing and expressing the reality of whatever the moment is with each other and and it's so funny where you know my students will say it's like oh well like I don't know. I was just, I was feeling so uncomfortable in this moment and da, 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 And I was like, okay, so why didn't you express that? That you were feeling uncomfortable in that moment, right? Like it, it would be an interesting thing to try. It probably feels so strange and so vulnerable to do, but like, you know, cause I've been in that situation before where you're having a conversation with somebody, you want to keep the conversation going because, you know, maybe you really admire the person or you've been enjoying the conversation so far and you want to keep it going. And what would happen if 
you said like, wow, I really want to keep this conversation going, but I, I don't even know what to say <laughs> next. Right. Like, just yeah, like, totally. how would a person respond to that? Like a person's probably not going to be like, well, you're fucking stupid. I'm out of here. Right. <laughs> like, like very doubtful. They'd probably be flattered. You know, they're probably just like, oh, well, I don't know. Like, let's find out. Let's figure out something else to talk yeah. about. Like, what are you interested? It's, it can become an opportunity for perhaps the conversation goes to a deeper level or yeah. who knows, you know, it maybe not, but it's an honest expression of the, of, of the moment. And the thing is, is that honesty and that when you're speaking from that authentic place, as you've been saying so many times, I feel like a broken record in this conversation a bit, but like we, like it resonates in us in, in as human beings, when people are saying something truthful, mm. When people are saying something honest, when people are saying something genuine that's coming from them, that's vulnerable, it, like, it, like, we feel it, we connect to it, like, it's, it's a way in which we connect to each other, and, and it builds bonds, and it creates, it deepens relationships, you know, when you can, when you can do that. Mm. It's not always comfortable to do it, but, <laughs> you know, like, it's, um, it always creates a response and, and my experience is that it usually creates a positive response. Mm -hmm. One thing I always try to remember too, and I forget often is that people are often thinking about themselves and how they're being perceived. And mm. they have a lot of attention on, you know, either themselves or what they're doing specifically, but it's really a lot of self-focus. Cause even if you're focused on what you're doing, you're still kind of focused on yourself in a way. And we're all in a little bit, always a little bit like not everybody, but most people we're all kind of, I suppose, caught up a little bit in our own stuff. You know what I mean? And um, I think there's something about, about just being aware of that and being aware of how you get caught up in your stuff and like what you care about, um, you know, like <laughs> I remember uh, another story I'll share just because I think it's relevant to this. I remember doing auditions and taped auditions in particular, where you would send in the tape to the cast directors and maybe they were in a different state or province or country or whatever. And um, I remember like, okay, we did like three takes and then you get to choose the one. And I remember like when I was younger being like, well, I look the best in that one. <laughs> and it was like, that mattered to me a lot. You know what I mean? Cause I'm like, but it really matters how I look, but like this other one, the performance was way better, but like there were times where I kind of chose the one where I, like, I looked a little bit better and, um, you know, like, or you, you thought know, you looked better. I thought I did. I thought I did. And, and, and the thing is, is like, I'm not there like to look better. I'm there to like act, but you know, there is a pressure, right. And like, so we, we have weird, we have weird little things we get caught up in and sometimes they don't matter. But like, to me at the time, it really did matter. I used to really think like, well, you know, like if I don't look good enough in the, in the video, then they're not going to cast me just because like, and there's a real pressure like of that in the film interest, like not a, it's not a, I'm not out of totally out of left field considering that factor. But also when I chose maybe a take that way, and I did that sometimes, it was probably out of insecurity. And that I think is what we're trying to get at here is like, you know, um, 
maybe don't, maybe just try to take the attention a little bit off of yourself, I suppose. Like, you know, like try not to feed into these things that maybe um, they don't serve you so much, like insecurities and doubts and stuff like that. Like don't act from a place of like, I need to be interesting. I need to be cool. I need to be perceived this way. Like, because there's a certain amount of false, um, just a kind of a false bravado that comes through with that. Right. Um, that being said, yeah, perception and image does sometimes matter in sales and in, you know, in, in art and in presentation and marketing, but like, I just think that that's maybe more of an afterthought, not your primary focus when you're the artist or the person, you know, like this thing, you'll end up with very vapid, like kind of like empty work. If that's what you put as your primary focus. Yeah. 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 It's like the very, a, a big part of this conversation, I think has been a, in many ways, a lot about what you said is about the things that actually just don't matter you know, getting caught up in things that don't matter that we think does. Yeah. Yeah. We think yeah, matters. But, well, you know what, actually, Evan, now that you said that it kind of makes me think maybe part of this conversation is about figuring out, like reevaluating what matters and what we make meaningful. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe like, maybe that's something that, um, you know, I can walk away with a little bit, even for myself with this conversation and just go, okay, like, is there some stuff that I'm making meaningful or matter that doesn't really matter and that's kind of getting in the way of what maybe actually does and why am i doing that and you know for what purpose and is it worth it and do i want to keep doing it you know and kind of maybe kind of purify a little bit of these things that might be um you know just lingering things that are hanging on there in the world in my life in my in my world that are like yeah you don't really need that you can let that go you know like you don't need to be so concerned about that anymore you know and maybe if you drop that maybe if i drop that i'm saying like maybe i'll just be free like maybe there's some freedom that comes out of that and maybe i'm bound by something that i don't need to be bound by you know um that's kind of what's kind of coming to light for me um i think that would actually be kind of helpful to you know look into Hmm. Let's talk about some beer, my friend. I agree. I uh I am drinking one. This is uh this is something that a friend left uh left at my place here. <laughs> so it's I was like, oh okay, well this has gotta get drank sooner or later. Um especially because it's like a it's a winter seasonal ale. <laughs> And I'm like, here I am, like ready for like springtime, you know. <laughs> but uh, this is called the Grinch. It's called the Grinch from uh, from the North Shore Brewing Company. Oh yeah, Br yeah, yeah, Bridge Brewing Company. Yeah, of course, I know who these guys are. Um, it's strong beer, six and a half percent, and it's good. It's got lots of flavor. It's like a dark, dark porter stout-ish kind of a kind of a deal. My first sip was not my favorite and then it's been just it, it just kind of opened up after after a while so it's uh i've got no qualms no qualms with this one <laughs> right on okay well i'm having another one from the grizzly paw brewing company in canmore alberta this one's called the beaver tail raspberry ale 
And uh, yeah, it's, it's really tasty. It's a really good beer. I, you know, I'm, I'm always a little bit hesitant with these kind of like raspberry beers because sometimes I find them to be a little tart or like sour or something, but when they get it right, they get it right. And I feel like with this one, they did, they, they kind of just infused the ale with just enough raspberry where you kind of get that nice little sweet taste, but you still have a beer. It's not gone full fruity. Like, you know, you're into like some type of dessert thing, um, or some type of sour even. Um, but no, it's good. It's been good. I mean, uh, I've done a nice run with this brewery doing four beers in a row from them and they've done, They've done really well. Uh, all their beers have been pretty solid for the four that I chose out of their mix. And uh, yeah, that's no, good. I spilt it a little earlier. I've probably heard a bang, but <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I lost it. I like it. <laughs> I know. I saw you and I was just like, oh, I gotta, I've got to talk long enough for Brandon to, to get things cleaned up. <laughs> I had to wipe up some of this stuff. I've never, I've never, uh, I don't think I've ever spilt a beer quite like that on the podcast, but you know, it didn't lose at all. That that was the silver lining. Yeah. So I was able to have a little bit more, um, <laughs> but it's been a good beer. So I, okay. Well, uh, what are your final thoughts, man? Um, do you want me to wrap it up first or you? I can, I can go ahead. I, I think I've got something. I've got something to say. Okay. <laughs> Let's see if I can do it artfully on this episode of the art of something to say, of having something to say. Um, you know, I, I'm going to come back to intention on this one. That's really what's sticking out for me again as this conversation has gone out and I've been thinking about it. And funny how in an age where uh, there's a lot uh, of people who are arguing that intention doesn't matter. Well, I'm here to double down on intention <laughs> as being very important. And... And applying it to more things in my life, because I'm realizing that, you know, there's a lot of things in my life. There are things in my life that I could do better by asking that question of like, what is, what is my intention with this, with this thing that I'm doing, with this thing that I'm pursuing? You know, I was just, as this conversation was going on, there's certain things within, you know, within my school and and my classes and 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 coaching and things that that I do along those lines where I'm like what is my intention with this right and suddenly I'm just like oh I don't know if I've ever asked that question you know I've asked a lot of other questions like in terms of like okay like what is this you know what what is the goal of this class what is the what is the you know trying to I, I've answered a lot of questions but there's something about when you ask the question of what is my intention that for me, at least it, it gets me thinking about it in a different way. It helps me to actually get to the heart of what I'm trying to actually do. Mm. Um, it helps me to understand that better. So, you know, my takeaway from this is like, you know, and it's one of our laws, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's one of our laws. And I'm always reminded of just like, oh yeah, don't forget how powerful these things are, how powerful intention is because it can, it can open things up. It can, it can grant new perspectives on, 
on what you're doing. It can help you deepen your relationship with whatever you, with whatever you want to sort of apply this, this idea of intention to. So that's my takeaway with this is like, you know, connect with the, the intention of whatever you're trying to do and, and not just that, but what your genuine intention is, you know, not an idea of what sounds like a good intention. No, 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 no. You're not trying to please anybody with this, right? Don't try to please anybody with your intention. Your intention is for you. It's for you to know. How other people respond to it is their business, right? Like you can't necessarily control how people are going to respond to your intention, but you have to know. You're the only one who who will know what that is. No one else can tell you what your genuine intention is around something. Only you can actually answer that for yourself. So, um, yeah, I think engaging with that and, and is a terrific way to develop a deeper relationship to what we're doing in the world and, and even who we are. I think that you brought up kind of the most important point of this whole conversation, which yeah, intention, it, it really does matter. And I think we've had a few conversations kind of, you know, throwing around this whole idea of intention and how it plays into art and just life and all of that. And I mean, I think it's safe to say if you, if you've listened to any of that, you've probably come to the same point that, yeah, like intention does matter. It's not a, it's not just something that you just kind of go like, well, it doesn't matter. Like all that matters is like the, the, the thing that, the thing that was done. It's like, first of all, first of all, the, the, the problem with that is that it assumes that we are flawless and none of us are, we're, we're all flawed. We all make mistakes and, and we sometimes cause damages we don't intend to. And sometimes, um, you know, the opposite occurs, but I, I think where I want to kind of finish on my side of it is you've kind of pointed out the importance of intention. Like, yeah, like you go in with good intention and action counts. You know, and one of the things in, in screenwriting, you know, that that's a really important part of a, a story is the inciting incident and what I call the turning point. And the inciting incident is the event that occurs, which is outside of the character's control and outside of their, um, it, it's outside of their normal world, which essentially incites action. But it doesn't actually cause action. It, 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 it incites it and it, it creates the necessity for action to occur. And then the turning point is when the character actually does something. And I was describing it to um, some students the other day as they were working on this part in their screenplays. And I was saying that this, this turning point is the decision in action. And once this decision of your character occurs, they take an action and that forever turns their life story from a certain way into another thing. And that is the body of your story that is your story in action but it comes after that decision is made and if that decision doesn't happen then the character is a passive element to the story therefore not character driven story it's a plot driven story and there's something missing right so what i was kind of encouraging them to to do is to find the point where your character begins to be the person who actually is 
driving the story. In spite of the craziness that might be going on in their world, they are taking charge, they are doing it. And so when I think about this conversation, you can have all the best intentions in the world, but decision and action really does matter too. And your intention is only real and actualized when you decide to do something and you only decide, you might think you decided, but you only decide once an action is taken. You can go, oh, I'm going to go to this school. You didn't decide until you go to that school. You know, you have to actually do it. So just to further this conversation, you know, you can have all the best intentions in the world and you can start to like revise all your intentions and get really clear on all that and whatever. But look, at some point you got to step into the arena, you know, you got to get into the reality, you got to do it. And what you're going to find is sometimes you have a great intention, but reality is not so accepting, <laughs> you know, like you are vulnerable with someone and they insult you as opposed to be welcome to, to you. And like, well, I heard on the you know, way of the artist podcast, they said, why not just be honest? And that didn't work. And it's like, well, you know what? Sometimes being honest and vulnerable is not always the best choice with some people or some situations. And you, you learn sometimes by making mistakes. Your intention was good. You tried to open up, you tried to like, break down a barrier. It didn't work. It doesn't mean that you were wrong. It just didn't work. And, um, you know, I think sometimes good intention doesn't always work. And that's the thing I want to leave you guys with is like, don't expect it to work hundred percent. You can be hundred percent good about your intention. Your intentions only matter if you take action, but just know that not all your actions will always work hundred percent, even though your intention is good. And that's just part of the learning process of Way of the Artist. Thank you for listening in on our conversation today. We hope you found something helpful that you can carry forward with you. Head over to our website, wayoftheartist.com, for more free exclusive material and learn about the show. If you haven't already, please support us by subscribing to the show, sharing it with people you know, and keeping compassionate, creative conversation going.